Chapter 7 A fresh thrill went through an atmosphere already super-saturated with excitement, when, next morning, all Lucia's friends who had been bidden to the garden party, Titan, were rung up on the telephone and informed that the party was Hightum. That caused a good deal of extra work, because the Titum robes had to be put away again, and the Hightums aired and brushed and valeted. But it was well worth it, for Rhizome had not the slightest difficulty in conjecturing that Olga Bracely was to be among the guests. For a cultured and artistic centre, the presence of a star that blazed so regally in the very zenith of the firmament of art absolutely demanded the Hightum, which the presence of poor Lady Ambermere, though she would not have liked that, had been powerless to bring out of their cupboards. And these delightful anticipations concentrated themselves into one rose-coloured point of joy, when no less than two independent observers, without collusion, saw the piano tuner either entering or leaving the hearst, while a third and ear witness unmistakably heard the tuning of the piano actually going on. It was thus clear to all penetrating minds that Olga Bracely was going to sing. It was further known that something was going on between her and Georgie, for she had been heard by one misanthropist to ask for Georgie's number at the telephone in the Ambermere Arms. Etiquette forbade her actually to listen to what passed, but she could not help hearing Olga laugh at something, presumably, that Georgie said. He himself took no part in the Green Parliament that morning, but had been seen to dash into the fruiterers and out again before he went in a great hurry to the hearst, shortly after twelve-thirty. Classes on Eastern philosophy under the tuition of Mrs. Quantock's Indian were already beginning to be hinted at. But today, in the breathless excitement about the prima donna, nobody cared about that. They might all have been taking lessons in cannibalism, and nobody would have been interested. Finally, about one o'clock, one of the motors in which the party had arrived yesterday drew up at the door of the Ambermere Arms, and presently Mr. Bracely, no dear, Mr. Shuttleworth, got in and drove off alone. That was very odd conduct in a lately married bridegroom, and it was hoped that there had been no quarrel. Olga had, of course, been given no directions as to Hightum or Titum, and when she walked across to George's house shortly after half-past one, only Mrs. Weston, who was going back home to lunch at top speed, was aware that she was dressed in a very simple dark blue morning frock. That would almost have passed for scrub. It is true that it was exceedingly well cut, and had not the look of having been rolled up in a ball and hastily ironed out again, that usually distinguished scrub, and she also wore a string of particularly fine pearls round her neck, the sort of ornament that in Rhizome would only be seen in an evening Hightum, even if anybody in Rhizome had owned such things. Lucia, not long ago, had expressed the opinion that jewels were vulgar except at night, and for her part she wore none at all, preferring one Greek cameo of uncertain authenticity. 